Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. For this episode, I'm talking with my friend Greg. Greg is a husband, he's a father, he's a teacher, he's a coach. Greg wears a lot of hats in his life, and so he's he's got a lot of experience, a lot of life lessons that he's learned throughout the years, and he's going to share some of that with us today. And I, th- I think you're going to really enjoy what he has to say. So once again, here's my conversation with my friend Greg. Hope you enjoy. from the hip so here we <laughs> go this is shooting from the hip uh, hang on a second here this might make the edit out part if i could find it in my like i am strolling through every lawnmower story i can think of thinking which lawnmower story would i have been telling you hmm. you didn't tell me the story lawn trimmer battery story oh yeah that ties to the dad thing Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's right. that ties to the dad thing. You want to jump right into that yeah, one? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay, so you know this is still called domesticated dude. Is that correct? That's right. All right, so that's the way this got going. And so you wanted to know about dad stuff and everything. And so um, I guess this ties back to a couple different things about the importance of being a dad and the importance of modeling. Uh, and I love my dad to death. He's he's a great man. He worked through the farm crisis of the '80s and everything like that. And that'll tie to the golf trip. Um, stories we talk about the lake house later, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, one of the things that my brother and I just got a kick out of was it's just a farmer thing and his dad did it. And I'm assuming his granddad did it. And, um, my dad did it. And I catch myself doing it too, is when farm equipment would break down. Uh, my dad, a very God fearing, good German Lutheran man, um, could put together strings of curse words that you wouldn't <laughs> believe that would make a sailor blush. And uh, my brother and I would just kind of sit and giggle about it and everything like that. And it was, you know, kind of fun to watch wrenches fly and everything like that. And it happens, you know, and it's one of those things that we're all fallen people, you know, and we understand that he understands that. But anyway, um, I have four kids. Um, and the oldest one is a junior in high school right now. His name is Nathan. And uh, he's, you know, an annoying teenager in his own way, but a good kid. Uh, and I got so tired of all the different kids that, you know, they leave their Xbox stuff laying out, they leave this laying out and everything like that. But generally they know kind of not to mess with my system, my stuff. So (laughs) I had, um, I always kind of lay out my, my new cordless trimmer and stuff like that, that I like so much. I had laid out the charger and put the battery on and, you know, it was kind of a, a hectic time or whatever. And all of a sudden I come back the next day and I see my stuff sitting out and I see like this Xbox controller and I'm like, put this stuff away. And I'm like, where's my battery? I'm like, where is my battery? You guys, where is my battery? And they're like, I don't know where it is. I wouldn't touch it. I'm like, well, there's not any reason I would touch it. I have a system. I put it in the bag. I put it in the box. I put it away. It's like somebody did it. And so I kind of ranted about the house for the next 20, 25 minutes about where's my battery, all this different kind of stuff. Jarrett, where's it at? Jarrett's our youngest. Uh, Tanya and Ash and the girls, I really didn't think they did. It was probably the knucklehead boys. So just, I'm just livid, not entirely livid, but just annoyed livid and just walking around the house. And so I'm like, where is it? And they're like, what is it? I'm like, it was right here. I looked, I saw it. Da, 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 da. And I go, look. And, and Jarrett, our youngest goes, what did it look like? Well, like, it looked like this. And I looked at it, I looked at it for a second and I'm like, wait, he goes, isn't that the battery plugged into the charger? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, 
Wait, it, I, so what I thought was the just the charge port was the battery plugged into the charge port because the other charge port I have was a bigger one. So I had been ranting and yelling at the kids. Not, I mean, you know, appropriately yelling, I would call it. But anyway, it's <laughs> sort of 25 minutes. And it was just a reminder of kind of the comedy that God gives in her life, honestly, of with just kind of like kids driving you nuts, but they're still great and stuff. And so the eight-year-old was the one who figured out the mystery of the missing lawnmower battery uh, because, uh, <laughs> not lawnmower, but trimmer battery. Um, so I had, and, and you know, and, and that's a good lesson for the kids too, because I had to swallow my pride and be like, okay, so dad's sorry. <laughs> he ranted for 20 minutes about the lawn uh, trimmer battery, and it's just kind of an example of that sometimes when you lose your head, you don't lose, uh, you lose more than that, you lose logic as well sometimes. So, a uh, good example don't be like I did and just pay attention. So, I think there's something that everybody can relate to. I can relate to that on many, many levels. I will search the house high and low for something, and it's exactly where I left it or it's exactly where it needs to be. But I looked everywhere else except those places. So while I'm tearing the house apart, looking for that thing, my wife is wondering, what are you doing? What are you looking for? I'm like, I know where it is. I just need, I will find it. Yeah. I always love it. Yeah. When you're like, I put it where I knew I wouldn't forget it. Yeah. But then you find it and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I just ran through the house for 20 minutes and it's right where it should have been this entire time. The other day I was sitting next to my phone or something. We were on the couch and, or no, here's what happened. I gave Sarah my phone to look at something. And while she was looking at it, I was like kind of doing a double take around the couch cushion. And she's like, are you looking for your phone? I said, yeah. She goes, it's in my hand. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. So yeah, I mean, that happens on a regular basis. Right. And you compound it with four kids and those kind of things, you know, it is, it is comedy. It's, it's good comedic humor that you get with kids, even though they sometimes really drive you nuts, but it's a good way to. So yeah, just compound that by like just what you have in your own personal life and compound that with multiple kids. And it's just something that is crazy yet fun. So, and they're looking up to you. They're watching you. Oh my gosh. Yes. So do you see, do your kids kind of go through that too, where they're kind of looking for stuff or they, are they pretty mild tempered wise? Yeah, I haven't seen the temper kick up in them yet either, but I don't think I had it when I was a kid either. Um, I, I don't know, but it, it does. I mean, I know modeling is important because like we would laugh at my dad, you know, when he would, you know, throw wrenches and swear and stuff like that. And not, <laughs> I make my dad sound bad. I feel bad about that, but he's really a wonderful man. He really is a good God fearing man. Um, but anyway, and it is, and we were talking about this when you were talking about hanging your pictures earlier. Yes. Um, yes. Stuff when I try to fix things and stuff like that, when it starts going bad, like I instantly turn to what I learned through partly genetics. I'm a big believer in, you know, genetics and modeling and stuff like that, but I think it's also human condition too. And we're not the only ones who have laid out a few curse words or something when things going bad. Gosh, everybody's going to think like, swear like a sailor all the time. No, <laughs> no, not at all. No, they don't think that at all. <laughs> but, they don't think but, that. Um, but it is, it's such an important modeling thing. And, you know, there's songs about it and there's studies about it or whatever. But you don't really need it to see because it's just, it's there. And so I have to kind of remind myself that, okay, you know, try to keep a cool head there. But it's hard. Our washing machine broke earlier this fall too. And same kind of thing. You know, just puts you in a sour mood and everything. But, yeah. It, it's okay. I, I, the, the good side of it is too, my dad modeled a lot of great things too yes. for me to follow. So that's, that's the other side of the coin was 
he really taught me how to be a father, how to be a family figure, how to be a, a spiritual leader in the household. Um, just a lot of different things like that. The importance of working hard. I think that's one of the things too that stuck to him because like I said, he worked through the eighties farm crisis. That man sold seed corn. He tried hogs. He tried pigs. He had dried beans, uh, irrigated grass, cattle. Um, well, just like, there's like 10 different things I was thinking in my mind just to keep us afloat. And they hit it well that we were like, you know, it wasn't quite as bad as like Simpsons Flanders imaginary Christmas thing. I like, Yay. I got a hula hoop kind of a thing. But it was like, you know, we knew that when we got hailed out for the fourth year in a row, that things were going to be tight, but we didn't know. I don't think we had any idea just how thin they were skating. And we, you know, a good family banker friends and stuff like that. But I remember that a lot. Like my dad modeled that of like, he did whatever it took within the law to keep us afloat. And so, you know, when my wife and I made the decision for her to stay at home and be at, uh, run uh, in-home daycare, we knew that on a public school teacher salary, plus daycare that I thought she was undercharging for, but she did as part of her ministry and, and vocation too, um, that we can make this work. Yeah. Like it's one of those things that, yeah, dad made it work. We can make it work. And I, you talk about that work ethic that you got from your dad and I see that in you. I don't know if you sit still for more than five minutes. You were telling me earlier that, you know, you, you had games going on during Christmas break and all this stuff. I mean, you're, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a dad, you're a husband. How are you able to kind of put those things into silos and, and to, you know, when you're coaching, you're coaching, but when mm-hmm. you're, when you're at home with your kids, you're at home with your kids. How do you find that balance? Well, first I would say I'm definitely not perfect at that. And my wife would be the first to admit it. And I think I've learned as I've gone along the way, you know, I think, I think I see God's hand in that too. Um, when I first got started coaching, like I, I coached seventh grade one year, I moved up to eighth grade the next year girls and, and, and then uh, was asked to be the JV coach at Seward my third year. And I was, I thought this was really good. And it was, it was with, um, Tom, uh, and he was, you know, he's an established coach. He's had success wherever he's been. And I, I knew like in the first week, I'm like, wow, I got a lot to learn. I can learn a lot from this guy. I remember telling my dad that. Um, and so I got, I got, I was really into it. Like he was really into it. I was really into it. We had a good friend, Phil supporter of the program that we would go scout. We'd watch film. We'd talk a lot of shop and everything like that. And then we started having kids, you know, and I look back on it now and I'm like, man, we had two games a week, sometimes three. We would try to live scout. Every team we played at least once, this is before Huddle. This is like with burning DVDs and stuff like that and sending them in the mail and everything. Now they have a Huddle program that's instant. But we tried to scout. So I was probably coaching two nights, if not three, scouting two nights, if not, you know, it was probably about, on average, about five nights a week where we were gone at some point. And, you know, we had one kid and we had two kids. And now I look back on it. And that's, that's the first thing you ask about how do you survive that? You have to have an amazing wife if you're going to have a family and coach and, and, so, and, and my wife, Mindy is phenomenal. She is a workhorse. She is the glue for our family. Um, like you said, I don't sit still for five minutes, partially because I'm busy, partially because I have probably mild ADD. Um, she's like the, she's the le- level even keeled, like ship master for our family on this storm of life. So that's very, very valuable. We balance each other well, which works out really well. Um, but so now I look back and I'm like, I, I talked to her before that a couple of times. I'm like, how in the world did you just not kill me? Because I was gone a lot. So I, I lost that balance while I was there for a while. Um, we had a great successful run coaching. We had some amazing kids, amazing talent. Won four straight championships. Um, 104 games in a row. Stuff like that. And I, I decided that that fifth year, we, we didn't win it. I wanted to finish out and help um, Tom finish out his daughter's career. And But I told him, I said, this will be my last year. I want to just get out and do something different. I was kind of burning out. 
um, even though he had a really good run. And um, that was tough because it gave up my chance because I knew that there was a possibility he was going to be leaving too. And it gave up my chance to be a head coach. But I think God kind of pushed me out. Like he gave me that sense that it was just time to step away. There's been times I definitely regret that because it would be fun to run a program and everything like that. But I love Seward, so I wasn't going to leave it to do it. Um, and, but Mindy has told me many times, she's like, I think God did that because she was like, you were just, it was, you were too lost in it. You were too far gone within it. I mean, I wasn't totally abandoning my kids or anything, but I was definitely gone a lot. Um, so I refed for four years and then got back into coaching partially because I have a daughter who's now a freshman who I knew was going to be coaching. Uh, this is my third year back in coaching now, assistant coaching, kind of same role. Um, not doing JV this year. That has helped keep some miles off the tires. I picked up a girl's soccer before I picked up girls basketball again. So yeah. Um, so one could argue I still coach too much. Um, back to your question. <laughs> so it is, they're very busy. Now we have four kids and everything, but I think God did make me, cause it made me step aside and it made me realize, and this is kind of how I keep it in silos too, is that when I was out of it, I realized that, yeah, you know, we have a good successful girls basketball program and the R soccer is taking some steps forward and stuff. But outside of the family of the team's family and somewhat the community, nobody's losing any sleep over any of those things. And so, you know, it's like it's, it's, a, it's an understanding that it's important, especially the people that are within it, but it's not that important. So being able to step away from that a little bit, technology helped huddle. Um, you know, I can watch from I was watching some film before I came over here. You can watch and trade film instantly now. Um, and just being able to, when you get home, say, that's good. That's good for the most part, or just wait until it's downtime. Um, uh, Tom has been very good to me as far as, like he said, whenever my daughter or son has a game, you're not at practice. You go watch your game. We'll find a way to do this. Do not miss your kids' stuff for that. And that was part of our agreement in getting back in. So you have to have some rules for yourself, I guess I would be saying. Um, to where it's like, okay, we're not, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have to you know, do that. And it's still a sacrifice for our family, but it helps that they're older now because they're at a lot of the same activities that we would be at anyway. And so God bless my wife. She survived through those. Okay. Siloing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about uh, set. It's a lot about setting boundaries like you were talking right, about, right? You right. Know, it's just like when people talk about the work life balance myth that's out there, right. you know, you come home, your emails on your phone, Mm-hmm. And you're checking your email, you get a you get a ding, you get an alert, whatever. Well, now you're in work mode, mm-hmm. even though you're sitting at home with your wife. So I'm sure there's got to be some give and take, right? And and being able to do that. One thing to help with the work balance mode is I don't like my email does not ping. Like there's no there's no notification other than I can see the numbers go up or whatever. But um, now they'll be the first to admit I'm on Twitter too much, I'm on Facebook too much, I text too much. Uh, I've tried to get better at that lately, but. Um, so smartphones are a challenge. You have to have some rules, like you said. Um, and really, like, just finding that balance takes deliberate effort. And I think it also, I find that, I kind of found that, like, when because when I did have some time, when I was just officiating and not coaching, it was only, like, two years where I was only coaching middle school, and um, I found that, boy, I was not near as efficient as I was. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, when I'm at work, man, it is like on, like there is not, you can ask people I'm working with, like it is on, 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 constantly going, constantly. Da, 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 da. And then when I get home, I've done a good job of just being like, okay, nope, I don't grade. I, I've, I've retooled my teaching to where I'm able to grade things with the kids instead of away from the kids. And it's better for that anyway. Um, 
I, so like they'll be working on a, like an online game about something when we're teaching social studies while I'm grading their project with them, just kind of going down the line. They, they, they learn from the game while they're playing it. I have interaction with them. I'm not sitting up on Saturday. That's probably been the biggest thing to help me work-wise because grading is my least favorite thing. And I've been teaching the same subject for like 15 years, so I can keep honing it. That helps. I won't lie. Yeah, um, yeah just a, I would say super efficient at work and then able to, you know, to just tell myself, okay, now you're home, step away. And I don't have any problem with that. I, I like leisure time. When I get it, I like leisure time, which, you know, kind of leads to how do you, I don't know, I don't know if you wanted, if this was part of your initial question, but how do you make time for fun? Is that kind of what yeah, you're Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Again, have a great wife. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about how you have to almost schedule dates when you're when you're married with no kids even. Yeah. Um, and when you have kids added to that mix, especially when they're younger, you got to find a sitter and all that stuff. You do have to make time. I'm a big John, John Rosemont fan. If you don't know who John Rosemont is, when you have kids, you will. Um, it's, I'd highly recommend it because he is a definitely kind of a throwback to the 40s, 50s type traditional parenting, not the self-esteem stuff, everything like that. Um, Kids should be seen, not heard kind of thing, <laughs> all those different kind of things. But he's really, really good and stuff. And like he talks about how, how important it is for a man when he comes home to talk to his wife first. First conversation is with your wife. How was your day? What was everything else? And then you can turn your attention to the kids. Um, so that, that, that's been a, a big help as far as like with our life as a married couple is just like we definitely – Say, okay, we're going to, you know, you, you, of course, sacrifice when you have kids. There's no doubt about it. But we say, we're going to make time for us. And now that the kids are older, when it was a, a big deal when they got old enough that they could babysit themselves. And <laughs> you, there, there's no joy. Well, there's, a, there's, there's some joy that's greater than that. But there is definitely a happy moment where you're like, hey, Nathan was our oldest. You got the kids tonight. And, you know, we better not hear any trouble from any of the kids or whatever. But that helps so much. And now that he's got a driver's license, that helps. Um, and just all sorts of things. God has seasons of life for everything. And this is getting into a lot of my philosophies now, but there, you know, the different seasons when you have young kids, you're home a lot, you know, but that's, yeah. those are, those are hugely important molding years. So you should be home a lot. Right. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And so those are very important molding years. And then you kind of get to the, it's like third, fourth grade, second, third, fourth grade are really kind of nice because they're not real enough to be in too many activities yet or anything like that, but they can take care of themselves. And so when they're in that kind of age, it's kind of sweet. And then they start getting in them, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grades when they start getting activities, stuff like that. And then we kind of are toward the back end of that initial storm now with our oldest going to be a senior. Um, he has driver's license. He can help shuttle kids and stuff like that. But our youngest is now getting into it. So there's that, that activity season. But, you know, I've heard from enough people who um, – well, the wisest thing, uh, Lynette was her name. She was a teacher at Seward, told us when our oldest was born, she said, the weeks, or she goes, the days will go slow, the weeks will go fast. And that I, I never forget that. Because you hear it, and you're like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. And then you realize, you're like, I was in there five, and they're going to kindergarten, and you're like, wow. And I am dead tired at the end of this day. <laughs> and yet, they're, and here he's going to be graduating next year. You know, and I'm like, God, that was true. Like, it seems like forever ago, but it seems like it was yesterday. So I've learned enough to know when people say that stuff to listen yeah. because it's true. It's true. 
I'd say that's true even if you don't have kids. Yeah. I'd say just the time, once you start getting older into your 30s, even, you know, 25 into your 30s and 40s, time just starts just zooming by. And mm-hmm. you look back, you're like, where did where did the time go? And, you know, you, you think about the years and the projects that you want to do year after year, but, you know, it just flies by so fast. Right. You know, even being married, we've been married for three years ish we've been together for um probably six years at this point it's Mm -hmm. just it's just been flying by and it just seems like it was just yesterday that i was spending my first christmas with her and her family like it's just insane how it goes are you to the point where to to where you're now like see because i got to the point to where i was like okay i think that was like four years ago and then you realize it was like i have a i have a rule now that whatever i think it was double it Yes, I have no concept of time. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a very poor concept of time. It, like I, uh, I was telling somebody, I, well, I moved down to Nebraska in 2012, mm-hmm. and I was telling them that, and they're like, I was like, yeah, that that was like seven years ago, and I was like, holy crap, that was seven years ago. Yeah. This is going to be my eighth year living in Nebraska. It's just right. I couldn't believe it. That's like, where the Facebook, t- the Facebook like memory thing does a good job. They're like, hey, this is something from six years ago, like. That was six years ago. Yeah. I was like, I thought that was like two. Yeah. And it's like, it's wait a incredible. minute. No, our kid is a, a, a toddler at that point. <laughs> so I guess it would add up. Yeah. And the, and the time and the changes that take place in those photos, like yeah. those photos from six years ago for you guys, right. I'm sure it's just oh my night and day. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I always remember that quote and try to try to remember that. Like when, you know, when, when you're dealing stuff with Jared, the eight-year-old, that you remember you had to deal with with Nathan as an eight-year-old, both good and bad, um, you know. And the girls, the girls are on new adventure too. Um, but just you, you do kind of catch yourself saying like, okay, this is something like it's not almost like I don't know what cartoon or whatever it is. Like somebody blinks like they're taking pictures. You kind of remind yourself to do that because you're just like, okay, this is kind of a big moment. And it's not like a huge moment, like a wedding or anything like that. But this is kind of a big deal. Yeah. You know, when you know, just listen to your kids laugh. While you're you know, while you're watching a movie together or something, you're just like okay, and especially as they get older, you realize how fleeting it is. That and we're happy that our kids still love us. I think even the oldest still does. <laughs> they just have their different ways of saying it. Um, but yeah, the the days go slow, the weeks go fast, and it really, really, really has that. And I look at it this way too, because our kids are always like, my daughter, she, my my oldest daughter Tanya has this memory. They're just like, do you remember when this and this and this and this? And I'm like, how do you even remember? Like she's like, you don't remember that? I'm like. No, I'm like, it's like our life is this book that like one summer when you're a 10 year old is a big part of that book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one, one trip to the lake is a big part of that book. And when you're 44 years old, like I am, the book's got a lot of pages in it. So I I can't imagine what, like what a 90 year old looks at life like. Yeah. And how much wisdom is in that book. That's the other thing I've learned in my lifetime too, is just how much value wisdom is. And yes. I still fight that too. Sometimes when my mom and dad say something, I'm like rolling my eyes still. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? In 30 years, I'll look at that and be like, by God, they were right. <laughs> I was I was probably, uh, it was right when I was getting out of college and, and getting into my first job that I started to realize that my dad was not completely full of crap. <laughs> and That's natural, I thank think. Thank God I made that realization. <laughs> right. Because he'll, he'll tell me things, we'll have conversations and, Sometimes I know it's just them trying to look out for me. And since I'm the only child, like they, you know, they're, they're very invested in me. We have a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough sometimes when they try to help me out when I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I kind of know that. But then I'll leave that conversation, sit down for a second, think about it, 
99% of the time, they're usually right. Right. So right. it's just trying to like train, retrain my mind to where, no, you don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, mm-hmm. but if you can take tidbits, right. bits and pieces from everybody that you interact with, especially your parents or people that you look up to, there's there's a lot of wisdom in there that you can you can take yeah. back for yourself. And it's fun now because I, I I'm enjoying the, being the old the old man to my kids and like the, like the eighth graders I teach now too because like we're teaching about the Roaring Twenties this last week or two weeks ago, and we showed them pictures from like the 1910s and then the 1920s and the different you know the flappers and the dresses and the parties and everything like that. And I said, what do you think these 1910s thought of the 1920s? And we got to talking about the OK Boomer thing. Okay, boomer. Da, yeah. da, da. I said, "What do you think the 1920s people were saying about the 1900s and 1910? They were, they were saying okay, boomer, even though boomers weren't around. They were saying the same equivalent thing. And so we talked about well, what did you what did you say to your parents? You say okay, boomer. What do you, what did your parents say to their parents? They said the equivalent. I said, "What do you think your kids are going to say about you?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah." And so you know, we have some fun with it. I have an old record player. I have them try to turn it on and play this 1920s, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and they can't figure it out. And I just go, "Okay, Zoomer!" Like that was my new thing. That okay, Zoomer, <laughs> let's get it going. It's a simple piece of technology. You can't... My sister got her old rotary phone out while we were home <laughs> for Christmas break at my parents' house, and we had a... she has uh, she had three teenage no four teenage kids there at the house, and we had ours. And we had them all try. We had them try to figure out how to use a rotary phone. You have you've seen videos of it and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It was true. Like they just looked at it like it was a foreign, and it was so hard not to tell them how to do it because we had them hooked yep. up and everything. And then then once they figured it out, they thought they were pretty smart. But it was fun making fun of them for a while. I had that same exact experience that your kids did when I was probably twelve years old. Yeah, back home we were at we were at a restaurant that our family friends owned, and I was asking my my dad, my dad was with me and I was asking if a buddy could come over and hang out and stay the night, whatever. He goes, yeah, just call your mom. Okay, sure. No problem. So I go up to the counter and they're like, Oh yeah, here's our phone. It was a rotary phone. I looked at it. I was like, dad, I don't know how to use this thing. And everybody just laughed. And I was like, Oh, well that's not fun. But being able to have an appreciation for those types mm-hmm. of things, like we were just talking about this original Nintendo over oh, here. Oh, yeah, it's other, a thing of beauty. You know, before we started recording, yes. like having having an appreciation for some of that technology that came before our smartphones or uh, should I say our handheld computers where everything right. is just right there. Right. It's, it's kind of nice to be able to use that stuff because it's it paved the way for what's what we're using now. Right. And there's something to be said about listening to a record oh, on, gosh. A, on a 45. It's still so pure. It's so pure. Even on, you know, and I'm glad that the turntable thing kind of came back because it is. It's so pure. And, you know, I think one of the things, like, not so much my kids at home, but the kids I teach is we'll show, especially when we get to 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, technology. And we talk about how, well, this really is the grandfather of this. And that, you know, and we and we talk about it, especially now the technology use and technology capability is just compounding more than double. Like it's, it's so fast, and about how just think how like five years ago, how different tech was. Yeah, and, and five more yeah. years, it is going to be unrecognizable. I think. Well, yeah, you watch movies, even movies that were made, like you said, five mm-hmm. or six, ten years ago. They're using flip phones mm-hmm. as their cell phones. It's like holy crap! You have to remember that. The iPhone is so new. Right. 
in the in the grand scheme of things. And this year with the you know, you're seeing a lot of decade lists now and stuff like that. Like they had the top technology of the decade, and they had some of the top technology that failed Google Glasses for one, yeah. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But um, but it really you know we watched a show that's a Amazon Prime show. This segment brought to you by Amazon Prime. Uh, it was called uh, the feed, and um, and and it, it's it's good because it's, it's just like the, this. I'm sure it's kind of spun off of Facebook, but it, in their mind, and the microchip is implanted eventually, and everything. You know, we joke around with the kids that we teach too about, you know, about just think what technology looks like in five more years and stuff like that. But you know, in about ten years, you'll be wowing at this technology, but your robot overlords will tell you to get back to the salt mines and get back to work. And I and I really truly like I don't maybe it's my affinity for the Terminator movies, but I really truly feel like the robots will take over eventually. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that just seems like the trajectory that our society is going down. And you know, you watch some of these movies, these Big Brother type movies mm-hmm. like the nineteen eighty fours, and you know, the movies that are modeled off of that story. It scares the crap out of you, right? Because you can actually see something like that happening in our in our society, and I don't know if it would be in our lifetime or not, but it's still just it petrifies me. Yeah, and there's a balance to that too. I think as a history teacher, I see that too, and honestly, as a as a Christian too, because you know we've been predicting the end of the world for you know this is the hell in hand basket. This is gonna da 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 da. I remember drawing a picture of what I thought Potter, Nebraska was gonna look like in the year 2000 when I was an eighth grader, and there's still no flying cars. And they didn't have a glass dome in Potter and, you know, the robots haven't taken over yet. They've been talking about robots taking over teaching, but, um, I follow, uh, Gary Kasparov on Twitter. He's a good follow, uh, you know, cause he, he was the one who was beaten by the, um, AI computer, the IBM deep oh, blue or whatever yeah, in chess. Yeah. All right. And you know, he's somebody who, if, if anybody has an ax to grind with AI, it's probably him. Cause you know, he was the first one to be defeated that way, but he talks about just the embracing of it and how really AI and technology has done so much more good than bad. Like we hear the horror stories and we see all the things like that, but um, and, and there will be some horror stories I think that come with it. Science fiction generally becomes science fact somehow, some way. Now, um, how does that look in the end or whatever? You know, what do you do? But you can't live in fear because, you know, there's this is not. I mean, like I said, as a Christian, I think this is not our. This is not our. This is not our end result. This right. is not. You know, I lost my sister to brain cancer at the age of forty nine a couple of years ago, and it was a good reminder that this is not our home. This is not our home. We get, we get what we get here. And then we got a lot more to look forward to later. Um, in this fallen world will pass. And so if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, it will eventually, that's my belief. But I think it was a good reminder with her and just my general life philosophy overall is just enjoy the dance while you're here. Hell yeah. Enjoy the dance while you're here because you just don't know. And so I, I don't know. I, this this kind of circles back around to what you were talking about. Like you know, how do you silo things? How do you make it fun? You have to make time for fun. You yes. have to make time for fun and friends. Um, you have to have a balance. There is no doubt. Um, but one of my absolute favorite things, and this this ties a lot of the stories together too. My dad surviving through the '80s and stuff like that. When when um, agriculture had a little bit of a boom, late 2000s, early early 2010s. I can't even remember when it was now. Um, he was able to sell some of his land and sold some of his cattle and, you know, the, the whole taxing and everything like that. And he said, are you willing to give up some land to inherit for this place at Lake McConaughey? And I had always dreamed of at Bayside Lake McConaughey having a condo on the 18th green or, and just being able, cause I loved McConaughey. Like, and when, when we were growing up poor in the eighties, it was, we drove to McConaughey and we stayed in tents on the beach <laughs> And, um, and it was a special treat. Like if we got to stay at a hotel one night, like it was a special treat of just like some, not even motel six, not even club, like this is a mom and pop <laughs> hotel. And 
I was just like, oh my gosh, that's my retirement dream. Yes, yes, I would be willing to do. And so they were just very blessed to be able to do that. And so now, um, like that's my happy place. When I go, like, I, as I'm driving there, I decompress and, and everything like that. And so uh, making time to do that. So one of the things we do, we make time, which is like you mentioned, the golf trip is how we became yeah. friends. Um, not really how we became friends, but how we but really like bonded, yeah, bonded right. over that trip. More yeah. so, yes, was like, okay, let's have a men's, it kind of started as a teacher's golf trip. And then it's turned out to be friends golf trip when people are busy and stuff like that. And it's come and go. And you know, you got, was that your first year this year? No, second year, second year. Second. There you go. So, um, that's just turned out to be a really fun trip that we, you know, we, we just try to find a weekend that works. And now we found a weekend that, that does work. Um, usually most years and just to share that joy, like, like dad got it. He shared it. You know, it's not mine or our family's. It's not me and mine or my brother's sisters yet. You know, thankfully, I'm glad they're still around so they can enjoy it. And, and I always look at that, that. That's his reward for what he went through. You know, he's got a he's got a sign that hangs up in there that says grandkids are God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's like that's an appropriate sign there. But it is his kind of his reward. So sharing that reward and just being like, you know, and, and so to have friends like you that come out um, and bond over that trip and to be able to see, you know, oh, God, this is, you know. Oh, so it's so beautiful. It's not Hawaii or anything, but it's... No, but for Nebraska, for the middle of the United States to have a destination like that, mm-hmm. where it's just so pristine, and you got the golf course right there, the view looking out looking out your parents' window, you, you have the 18th green right there, and then behind that, you have the lake. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't... I still... My screensaver at work is still the picture <laughs> that I took out the back. And one thing that I really appreciate is it's cool when your parents drop by when we're over right, there and right. they kind of right. hang out with us for a little bit. And we get to, we get to tell them thank you and, and right. share our gratitude for that. Mm-hmm. And just that they know that it's being used and being used right. in, in the right way. And then right. to give those guys a, a chance to kind of disconnect with the world and just right. kind of hang out for a weekend yeah. and play yeah. some golf and drink some beer and grill some meat I don't think there's anything better than that. No vegetables. There's a no vegetables rule pretty much. And it is, it's just a guy's trip. And, you know, people, you know, laugh about it or whatever, but it is, it's a guy's trip. It's fun. And like you said, get away. You know, it's so fun because just the car ride out there, who <laughs> when just the car ride out there, when, well, first of all, when, when my bachelor or no kid friends say, there's no way you can fit all this stuff in a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend Jamie and I, who have multiple kids, just say, sit back and watch chumps. <laughs> we stuff everything in there. And then when somebody says, when you get to Ogallala, which is a hall, four yeah. and a half hours, basically, when you hear somebody say already, on the way out there, you know, you're having a good time and you're going to have a great time because it was just like, <laughs> that's what, that's what, but that's like, you talk about like domesticated dude, you got to have some dude time. Yeah. You got to have some yeah. dude time. And I think where we get lost, like in anything else in life is if you lose the balance of it, you know, it talks about moderation and, you know, in scripture or whatever and anything like that. And it applies so much to everything. And like, like I said, I lost moderation many times, whether it's basketball, friend time, softball, whatever, you know, anything like that to where if you lose that balance, that's when things happen. Yeah. You know, that's when, that's when, and it is, it, and the, you know, the devil works hard and just life works hard together with the devil and everything like that. And, and, um, yeah, when you lose that balance, so and it's a constant battle. I mean, it I'm is. sure you can talk yeah. to 90 year olds that are just like, mm, 
you know, whether it's say, I played too much shuffleboard today or whatever, <laughs> or, or my dad says I was stuck at coffee for four hours. I was like, well, you probably, you know, maybe you should, you know, get out there and let's go farm for a little bit when I'm out there in July, but he earned it. So that's okay. Yeah. So with, with that golf trip, um, you know, being able to have that experience, being able to have that, that time away, it's also important for your, for your spouse, your partner, other people important in your life to have that time too. Mm -hmm. So do you guys kind of have a a system worked out where, where your wife can kind of take some time for herself and you hang out with the kids for a weekend? And this is where kind of the, to each their own kind of thing. And I think like, I think a successful marriage many times balances the relationship. You know, we, we, you can always kind of see how, you know, cause I'm the social friendly outgoing, everything like that. Mindy's a tight circle. Won't say much until you get inside that circle. You earn your way, I guess, yep. inside that circle or whatever, anything like that. So she like her idea of getting away would be like me cooking up and cleaning supper and, you know, putting the kids to bed or something like that. You know, she likes, she likes to get away. Now we, we, we have made time, you know, we've been fortunate enough to like, you know, we've been to a, on a couple different trips where, just God made things happen. Like when we were living in a civic center, when we weren't married, we were getting paid to live somewhere instead of living there. Like we went to Australia and the Bahamas. Um, we went to Hawaii for our 11th anniversary because they had a kid for our 10th. It was after 9-11 when flights were cheap. You know, you kind of found a way, made a way. Yeah. We've been up to Cancun. We've been to Hawaii and stuff like that. So we've been blessed in that way. But So we do have getaways where you have to make time for that. But And she loves vacation too. Um, but her, her idea is, because she's more of an introvert. Yeah. So she did some alone time to where she can just put on her pajama pants and just be not bothered for a while. <laughs> Which, so that's, so, so you have to kind of like, you know, it's kind of sounds corny, but the love languages. Yes. I was just like going to say that yeah. reminds me of acts yeah. of service. Right. That's one of Sarah's, um, languages too, yeah. is acts of service. So emptying right. the dishwasher, making dinner, right. Right. All that stuff that very, very important and high on the high on the scale there. And we do try Like, I know, I know this cause I'm bad. Like, I'm a words of affirmation guy. So I give her a lot of words of affirmation. And she's like, I don't really need that. I just like, just, you know what? Just let me go disappear for a while and do. <laughs> so it's like, so it reminds me that, oh yeah, I got to speak their language. Not my language. And she always complains yeah. because she's like, you're every language. It's not fair. Like it's impossible <laughs> to please you because you're every language. So, um, but, she, but that's part of her easy going nature. Like she yeah. is so, anything you've met her now, you know yeah. her. People who met her, like, she is so easy going. I'm on tight. Like I said, I'm the one who is constantly go, 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 go. I, I don't have quite as much ADD as my friend John. That's another story. <laughs> we'll have to get him on here. Oh, my gosh. It would be, he, he is the picture in the dictionary of the American success story. Like to me, his story, and I don't know how I don't know if you know the whole thing yet or not. I don't, but I want to oh, I want to hear it. So maybe Lord. we should get a yes. we should get him on here yes. for our next our next go. Oh around. god, it would be fantastic. Like he he would be fantastic. It's it he is the picture of the American success story. I love it, love him. So, um, but yeah, it's yeah yeah. So Mindy balances me, and then balance is important. Again, yeah. you know, have a spouse that balances you. Our kids, you can see kind of balance each other like our oldest son and our youngest daughter are too much alike they don't get along very well <laughs> um, but yet my my older two do get along well and somehow balance each other well so that's because tanya was our feisty fit thrower nathan was nathan was more like he's kind of a mix of me he's social yet he's chill so it's kind of a mix of both of us it's kind of weird so do you have to do you have to learn how to 
I don't want to get too simplistic here, but is it like managing a team at a business where you, where you have Mm -hmm. to know what is going to work for each, each child and how you get through to them. You have to know what motivates them. You have to know what, the, what they're going to respond to and how they're going to respond. Do you kind of have to learn that? Yes, I think so because it is really kind of price similar to love languages. Honestly, I mean, not not to like make it right. weird or no, whatever, but, but that makes sense. But it is, I, you know, I've been watching this NFL Top 100 team stuff on the NFL Network, and it is amazing. Like as a coach. And just making my kids, I'm like, rewind it, watch this. You watch this and listen to what Ray Lewis says about competing both mentally and physically, you know, and stuff like that. So they probably think I'm kind of crazy. You know, I'm like, my daughter, who's a nice basketball player, is like, why are you watching? <laughs> why are you making me watch this? Um, this guy who's a football player, kind of like, because he is an ultimate competitor, an ultimate. But anyway, it goes back to um, my goodness, watching um, Bill Belichick talk about things because he's on the round table. You know, you got Bill Belichick, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, um, Chris Collinsworth, and and, um, and uh, Rich Eisen are sitting there talking, you know, and then all of a sudden you got, you know, Ed Tutal John or no, they had um, uh, Mean Joe Green. So it's like that was the round table that was sitting there talking. And it was just phenomenal greatness sitting around here. And then they have another episode with quarterbacks and then running backs. And wow. the common threads of all the different things that show up, yet the different individual things are amazing. But what it goes back to is like managing a team. I only know coaching. I don't know a business team. Like you're on, you know, you have kind of a business yeah. team at Concordia, but um, whether it's coaching or the family or whatever, you have to find the different ways that why are, how are they motivated? Why are they motivated? How can you help push them? You know, that's, that's the thing too. They talk about with Belichick a lot is like, <laughs> you know, Tom Brady was talking about how <laughs> that year they went 18 and 0 and then lost in the Super Bowl just due to a miraculous catch. He's like, we, we would have a Sunday to where we didn't even have to punt. And so we're coming in on Monday thinking, this is going to be great. You know, I'm kind of feeling good about it. We're 13 to 0. And he's like, we would leave the Monday meetings thinking that we just lost <laughs> because <laughs> Belichick knew that he had to be sharp and yeah. still push and be the perfectionist and find them. And I think people lose sight of that a little bit. That's one of the things I've learned from Tom in coaching that I coached with him. Um, is that you do have to be kind of a perfectionist if you want to be really good. Like you have to have high standards. You have to have reality too. You have to realize, you know, there's got to be grace too that people aren't going to be perfect. But that if you don't have somebody, and I talked to my oldest two about that because they're in the midst of high school sports. If you don't have somebody to tell you that level eight isn't good enough, that there that you think you're at level 10, but you're not, that there's nine and 10 there, um, that's so important. And I like really, I look back on, I think, you know, glory days, whatever. I look back at my high school years now, and they, dang it. I thought I was at level 10 effort commitment. No, six, seven, maybe. I could have yeah. been so much better. You know, so I play that to work today, life too, you know. But you can't, this is, I also think, very important too. And I have to summarize this because you know, it's a, I don't necessarily agree with the economic aspect of it, but I agree with the philosophy. Um, there's a, a guy, there was a fit, like a, a poor fisherman who had taken his rickety boat out. Yeah, this is on Twitter, of course. Taking his rickety boat out, caught his day's worth of fish, had cooked them up, ate them, just laying by the boat. And it's like, dude, and the industrialist came up and was like, dude, you, that's a great job, but why are you sitting here laying there? You could go out and catch more fish, and then you can get a bigger boat, and then you can get better nets, and then you can get two bigger boats, and then you, and you can get this commercialized fishing thing, and then and all this different kind of stuff. And he's like, you can make millions and all this different kind of stuff. He's like, well, what would I do then? He's like, well, then you could lay back and enjoy life. And he goes, what do you think I'm doing now? Ha, that's good. And I was like, that's really good. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that was so good because I think you need a balance of that. You need the industrialist. 
who was like, no, there's more, there's better, there's this, this, this. But there's also the time to sit back and say, that was a good day yeah. or that was a good run. Yeah. You know, I'm going to enjoy that for a little bit, you know. And sometimes I think your Belichick's and stuff like that, Nick Saban's sometimes fall on the side of to where they get consumed by it and they're great, but are they happy? I've never seen Bill Belichick happier when he starts talking about his football collection of cards like from the 60s and stuff like that. Then you see the joy come out. It's really kind of funny to see this machine smile. What? Yeah, it's amazing. That, that, this, and I'm telling you, that NFL 100, for anybody who's listening to this, watch it. Like if you're any kind of competitor or even life stuff, it's great. So it's fun to see Belichick smile. I don't know if Saban ever has. Well, I saw, I saw an interview with Saban. had to be about a month and a half, two months ago. He was talking about his grandkids. And his face lit up and he was, mm-hmm. he was at his house during this interview pool in the background and w- the anchor, excuse me, was giving him crap and just saying, Nick, have you ever used that pool that's behind you? Have you ever gone for a swim in there? And Saber goes, no, but it's really, it's a hit with my grandkids or something like that. Yeah. His face just lit up. Right. It was, it was awesome. There's brief moments of joy with him. Like, like he is, he kind of is the picture to me of, and he may end up, maybe he does really enjoy it. But like, he, he's kind of my picture of, like, I guess I have pictures in my mind of who I want to be, like, or who I want to be like as a coach, father, or whatever. Saban is kind of the one who's like, okay, too much the industrialist, too much constant, no matter what success, he's never satisfied. And that's a lot of the greats are, I mean, really. And you yeah. look at, you, know, you teach generals, Patton, MacArthur, all those guys, they were jerks but they got the best out of people. And Nick Saban <laughs> is that guy. And now yeah. we're seeing it a little more to where now you see Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. Who we're starting to see people like Dabo Sweeney are, are doing it more with love and fun and stuff like that. But I guarantee you Dabo Sweeney is still attention to detail, high expectations, everything like that. He just does it in a different way. And yep. I think, and I think everybody's to each their own. Nick Saban's very successful. Dabo Sweeney's very successful. I mean, each of us has their own, but I think like that NFL 100, and the common thread is, whether that's life or whatever, a desire to continue to grow. Yes. To continue to grow, to yep. continue to get better. And how you go about that really is your personality. You need to have that. I mean, well, I guess you don't need to, but if you, if you're not trying to do better, improve, or at least with the understanding that this isn't going to change overnight, mm-hmm. you're not going to change your mental philosophy overnight it's something that it's a gradual shift and it's a shift in the mindset Mm -hmm. you have to you have to shift your mindset but if you are content with being content and you just become complacent right that's also where bad things happen right where if you stop taking care of yourself you stop taking care of your partner your spouse your house your Mm -hmm. job that's when things can get a little dicey and that's that's one of the reasons why i wanted to start this podcast is to not just for content for people in the universe, it's great if people listen. I love it. Right. But I want to learn more from my friends. I want to have these types of conversations sure. with people that I trust and, and that I've, that I look up to, to kind of get that wisdom from them that I don't have on a daily basis with a brother or, you know, something right. like that. Just mm-hmm. be able to, to learn and, and take those lessons and to apply them to my life. I think sure. that's really important. Well, I'm honored that you felt like I qualified for this. I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm flattered. I truly am. And I'm like, okay, now I really got to live up to this a little bit. But, you know, I, I remember the me at your age, you know, and like, and like I said, I, one of the people who really did mold the way I coach and stuff like that is Tom. 
Um, he's 10 years older than I am, you know, and he had success where he was gone. I really learned that. I applied that to my eighth grade coaching. I've applied that to head coaching soccer, you know, a different style still, yeah. you know, and balance like Tom and I balance each other. Well, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little more Dabo. Sometimes he's a little more Saban. Sometimes we switch those roles. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll be the bad guy. He'll be the good guy, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, but it, we balance each other well. And, and like in a marriage and a family and coaching and life, you know, your boss, your cubicle mate, you know, anything like yeah. that, you've got to be able to work well together, you know, with people. And that's why I just randomly draw seats for our kids in our classroom. They just draw a number. They're like, do I get to pick my seat? I'm like, yep, yep, you do. They're like, yay. I'm like, pick a number. <laughs> and I'm like, none of you in here is too cool to sit by anybody. None of you in here is too cool or too not cool to sit by anybody. Yeah. And whoever you draw, you get what you get. You don't throw a fit. Yep. Because I don't get to choose who I teach next door to. I don't get to teach who I or choose who I live next door to or anything like that. You've got to be able to get along with somebody. That's absolutely And talk right. to other people. And especially in this society now where we're so polarized. I don't even want to get into politics. <laughs> <laughs> but where we're so polarized, I think yeah. we've, we've just lost it because of the echo chamber. Yeah. And now and, it's just whoever yells loudest and the worst gets the attention. Yeah, it's that, and it's that mob mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, I see it online all the time. I see mm-hmm. it on social media, whatever. But being able to know, like, if you're trying to get a job, if you can't talk to people, there are there's a very small amount of jobs that you would be a good fit for. Right. The rest of them, 85% of them in the world, mm-hmm. you have to know how to deal with people. If you can't get along with them, you need to at least try to find some common ground or common interests or, you know, something to build on. Otherwise... You're out. Or a basement is some really good computer stuff because Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because you can't it's a very hard economy to be a hobbit, even though we have all this technology that can be self driven. You're still like if you're gonna to try to sell something that you've software created in your basement, you still gotta to talk to somebody. That's absolutely right. You had, and if you're if you're a computer programmer, you still have to take directives from somebody. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. have to interact with a team probably. So those those skills that you're teaching, not just uh, not just on the court, but in your classroom, mm-hmm. being able to get along with people, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. I agree, I agree, and it's fun to see like this. And it really is. You kind of talk like I said. I'm ten years younger than like really one of my coaching mentors and and you know and stuff and other teaching mentors that I you know, and here I am at at, at our middle school now, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I'm in the top 10% of old people now at our middle school. <laughs> and it really kind of naturally happened, but almost purposely happened too, to where I kind of look to try to take younger, especially male teachers under the wing and really kind of, you know, talk to them, especially coaches and stuff like that. There's, you know, there are eighth grade math teacher, young teacher um, who just, you know, he, and he's a sponge and he just, it's constantly, you know, he'll ask questions. You can tell he's listening and stuff like that. So you realize the, the pay it forward kind of thing that it is. And, and it's encouraging to see younger people like you, like him, Mac, um, you know, and people like that who are, who have those skill sets, but yet you still have the, the 10 years younger tech savvy and outlook and stuff like that to where you see, you know, not all the millennials are bad. Basically you prove, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> you, thank prove, you. you prove that, you know, the, Hey, okay. Boomer, right. <laughs> but it's the opposite. Um, but, in that, and that's just a natural progression that happens too, but it is, it's encouraging and it's exciting because, it does give you a sense of purpose and, and, you know, and that's a challenge that I give to you and him and stuff like that too. Is Okay. So these next 10 years you gather and apply some of this wisdom and then you pay, you pay it forward, you know, and for my next 10 years, I hope to gain more wisdom and be able to pay it forward as well. And so that's, that's just really kind of how it works um, in this life. And so gain as much as you can gather as much as you can and share as much as you can as you mold it because 
it's important. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, like I said, that's why I wanted to start this podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like people have things to share and people who, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't really have accessibility to something like this where Mm -hmm. we could keep, I see this as like a, a journal. You know, it's, it's a living journal of life right. and being able to, now I can share it out without having to type it out. People can listen. Sure. So I'm hoping to contribute it to society at least a little bit in that way. Oh. Well, I know uh, this, I wouldn't be recording a podcast if it wasn't for you because <laughs> on the way out to the Colorado, Nebraska game, I was like, so there's this podcast I heard about it. I don't even know how the heck, what is a podcast? <laughs> and you're like, oh, here, let me show you. And I'm like, this is really cool. If I ever had time to sit and listen for an hour. But then I found the beauty of the times too. Yes. So I talk so fast. If you put this on times too, it really might sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks, but I don't care. Well, it doesn't, it won't change your pitch. I don't think it'll change your okay, pitch good. too much. I think it'll just, people, uh, they'll have to listen to it for a little bit to, to right. kind of get well, their ear yeah. trained. And if you need any practice, just go to YouTube and look up micro machines commercials from the <laughs> 1980s. I don't know. You see, you probably looking at your eyes. I, yeah. Do you know of that one? Yeah. I think okay, so. good. Yeah. yeah. So, Look that one up, kids, and you'll see YouTube. It's on computers now. But Micro Machines commercials, they're great. <laughs> well, Greg, we're coming up on 60 Minutes, man. I don't know. Is there, are there things that we left out? Are there things that uh, you are thinking about that we need to we need to share about? Or do you think this is a good, a good first go, a good intro, so to speak? Uh, I, I, it's really like it's... I know it'd be fun, but it's been more fun. And I, I like, I think this is showing my age too. Is like, I get excited to share the wisdom of the world, according to Greg. Like I really have this otherworldly thing to share, but, um, we hit a lot of the different things. Like I got some core life philosophies that really kind of boils down and into what we talked about. I think here's the, here's the biggest thing I can leave with. And I, I've learned this as we've gone, you know, just as my wife and I went through the call process for our first job and then going through kids and the different challenges of life and everything like that. And it really does. It probably became most real when my sister died two years ago, uh, the I believe it's Romans eight twenty eight. That for I know the plans I have for you, and uh, plans to prosper you, plans to grow, and everything like that. Um, that verse has always stuck with me because I do believe in a higher power. I do, I do believe there's a God out there. I do believe He has a plan for us. Um, I do believe He gives us a chance to bloom wherever we're planted. Like if we chose to go teach in Iowa or teach in Seward, we did. We did help fulfill. You know, thanks to His grace, what He wanted. Um, but there is a plan and everything under the sun for him, you know, and it's hard to, you know, when you have mass shootings and earthquakes and everything like that, it's hard for people to grasp that. But, um, I think the, the best way I've seen it is in a movie, it described it. The movie is called, do you believe it's kind of one of those corny Christian ones, but it's a real, it's a really good one. Um, that God is using each of our lives as these individual strands in this tapestry is the way they describe it. And we can only see a couple rows of it. You know, we can only see a couple of rows of it. And when it, and when we're given that heavenly wisdom to be able to look at the whole thing and be like, oh, that's, you know, sometimes we get little glimpses where we see, oh, that's why this happened. And there's so many different things that, we're, you know, so many of us have that we're like, I never know on this side of heaven. But he has a plan. He has a design. When you're questioning it, just kind of be like, okay. Now, he doesn't want us to just sit back. Right. You know. <laughs> Right. But it, yeah, the, the tapestry thing, I just kept remembering that, the tapestry. And we only get to see a couple rows. We don't get to see the whole picture on this side of heaven. But when we do, it's going to be just phenomenal. And I can't wait. Like, I can wait because I love life. But I can't wait to see my sister and my grandparents and stuff like that up there and be like, look at this. You know? Yeah. And we don't see any ugly up there. 
So I guess that, that'd be my best advice to you. Anybody listening and stuff like that is there is a grand artist who's up there and he knows exactly what he's sewing together and he takes the ugly and he takes the good and he's mixed it all into this beautiful masterpiece somehow, despite the ugliness of it all. And someday we get to see it and be like, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think that's a, that's a beautiful lesson. And I think people get so caught up in now people mm-hmm. get so caught up in the next five minutes and the next 10 minutes, you know, what's, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. But even just like in your own life and in my own life and in everybody else's own life, just being able to take a, take a pause and take a step back mm-hmm. and say, here's what's happening. Here's how I can do better. And here's where I'm going. You know, being able to understand that you are being put down a path mm-hmm. and just got to, just got to go with it and do your best. And to put it all the way back to where it started. Take a pause, take a step back and realize, oh, there's the battery. It's hooked to the charger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Because when you get too caught up, you sometimes don't recognize it. That's absolutely right. <laughs> well, Greg, thanks for the time tonight, man. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. I appreciate you having me on. Good luck with your podcast. Thank you. Bye.